0: This is the Ruck Infringement Podcast with Joey Alchin.
1: Legends, welcome back to another episode of the Ruck Infringement Podcast. Well, this week I've got a full house. I'm again joined by our double D's, Dave Kowalski and Dave Kingsby.
0: How are we doing? Hey, how are you guys?
1: Yeah, yeah, we're good. And we are also privileged to be joined by none other than Blake. How are you, Blakey?
2: Hey, buddy. Thanks for having us. Looking forward to it. It's always a pleasure, mate.
1: Boys, as you know, I'm the sort of guy who can see the future. For example, I know that the Sydney Roosters are going to win the 2023 season. I also know that you can now invest in your own future with Coinjar. Coinjar specializes in cryptocurrency such as Bitcoin and Ethereum and help you to invest safely and securely. Visit Coinjar at Coinjar.com or on the Coinjar app in the App Store or Google Play Store. Coinjar, investing in your future. All right. Well, let's get into some Rugby League World Cup quarterfinals. So last week we had the quarterfinals for the Rugby League World Cup and what a beauty it was. Blakey, I'll start with you. I know you didn't get up and watch too many of them, but you would have seen the results. What would you think?
2: Yeah, mate, sure did. Australia, yeah, easy win as we expected, I think, against Lebanon. You know, they were just too good. Um, that was always, the class was always going to show there. I think the surprise was... Samoa knocking off Tonga. I don't think um, anyone really expected that, especially after Samoa getting absolutely clobbered by England in the first round um, by 60-odd points. So, And Tonga, you know, they've shown in previous years they're a team to beat. Everyone thought they were going to be pushing for the final with New Zealand. Um, I thought England were very impressive as well, You know, did what they had to do. Again, weak opposition, but they just did the job. And New Zealand, I think New Zealand were very, very lucky to win their game um, against Fiji. It was, yes. I think there was some very poor refereeing decisions against Fiji that potentially cost them the game um a very very ordinary strip penalty call with a few minutes to go that put put uh, the Kiwis in front so um yeah i think honestly after watching the weekends i'm starting to think it more it might be an Australia England final
1: yeah look i tend to agree let's dissect it a little bit so our first game was saturday and it was australia against lebanon 48 to 4 now I know it was, it looks there on paper like it was quite easy, but I actually don't think Australia were that clinical. Uh, Nathan Cleary had a stomach bug and it showed in his kicking, uh, which is very un Nathan Cleary like to miss three goals. So six from nine there for Cleary, none for Lebanon. But apart from Car, I mean, you can see Adakar ended up with five tries there, which. You don't hear about much in a World Cup. Cameron Murray filled in with two, and then Martin and Matrell Mitchell got one as well. But yeah, I didn't think it was that clinical. Uh DK, I'll go to you, mate. Uh Australia in this one, do you think if they play like this against New Zealand that they'll still get the win?
3: No. So a team that will actually put up a fight or actually has the same level of talent as Australia, they're not going to get the job done against that. Yeah. So I think Australia's had throughout the entire World Cup, quite a weak opposition, which is not the kind of preparation you want going into a World Cup semi-final against probably the second best, if not the best team in the world.
1: Yeah, well, ranked number one, but yeah.
3: Yeah, sure. exactly that. So with that ranking, like, you play that way. And if Nathan Cleary has a stomach bug and is missing those goals, then no, they won't win. New Zealand will get them. But at the same yeah. time, New Zealand, like Blake said, New Zealand got lucky in that game. So perhaps they're not on song either.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we'll we'll move on to the next game and we'll get to that New Zealand game soon. But our next game was England against PNG, which ended up being forty six to six. So sort of the same result there as your Australian game that you just witnessed. Mackinson in that one scoring, I think he got five as well. Yep. Five tries there. Dominic Young again in those tries scoring. But Mackinson did A lot. He scored five tries and then he kicked five from nine goals. So uh, lots of points there for him. Dave, I'll go to you. England have looked like the form team in this competition. Do you think if Australia beat New Zealand and they have to come up against England, that England could take it out?
0: Quite possibly. I yeah. think it would be a tough match. England have been the on form team all season with this. Yeah, and uh, um, Australia, and New Zealand, whoever they come up against, are going to have their hands full. As you know, some of the uh, absolute pundits of the game, in the form of Phil Gould, threw out or threw down the gauntlet at the start with saying that England could not beat Samoa and then they thrashed them. He's so, been quiet ever since. He has been quiet ever <laughs> since, on that. Yep. But at the same time, you know, they've proven everybody wrong. Right? Yep. Everybody that thought that England wouldn't do anything good. They have proven everybody wrong and they are going to stand up and be counted whoever they play in the finals, if it's Australia or New Zealand. Both teams will give them a run for their money, to be sure, but it's it's not going to be... And no, no team are going to take it lying down. Let's put it that way.
1: Yeah, definitely. Blake, I want to move on to you. You weren't on the pod last week, but we were talking about how good Dom Young has been for this English side. Mate, does it give you good hope for 2023 for Newcastle?
2: Yeah, it does, mate. You know, I, we saw his potential shine through this year, finally had a bit of a rough year in his first year still getting used to being overseas in Australia but you know he's shown his talent and potential definitely in this World Cup and he did this year for the Knights he was our leading try scorer I think he had 18 tries was his tally yeah. for the Knights this year and he's a, pretty much the le- he's the leading try scorer um, at the World Cup now um, with England mate he's a freak He's um, he's got it all he's got the height he's got the speed he's incredibly quick you know he's shown he can defend really well as well so definitely positive signs but he's just showing what I guess us Knights fans sort of found out after this year that you know he's 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 a gun mate he's got a long long future ahead of him and um hopefully the the Knights have started talks to re-sign him because he's off contract at the end of next year so hopefully mate, I can get a deal with you know him but yeah mate can, he's, he's a star of the future for sure
1: I can see it now you know the first round you know let's say who who they got first round um
2: Warriors in Wellington
1: Warriors so we got you know Warriors against uh Newcastle, Newcastle score again. Dom Young scores in the corner, and it's forty to six to the Warriors.
0: Um, yeah, I can see it now. Oh, so oh, it's funny, be-
2: funny, funny. <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, no, I, I reckon there's a good chance that'll happen, Joey. <laughs> <laughs> and then for the other twenty-five weeks of the of the tournament, they'll crash and burn. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is a stitch up there,
1: uh, mate. We had to. We haven't seen you for a few weeks, so you know we had oh, to get one in. Don't worry, yeah, D- thanks, guys, DK man. down here is a manly supporter, Blakey.
2: Jeez, at least we haven't sucked our coach. and we won't wear a jersey. So <laughs> that's yeah, all right. Well.
1: <laughs> He's, he's, he's not he's not happy.
3: <laughs> look, the only thing I'll say is a Manly fan will talk more shit about Manly than any other fan will. Yeah.
0: Oh, yeah. <laughs> that's that's, right.
3: that's, that's right. right. That's right. Yeah,
0: and that's, right. that's a coping strategy. It's like, hey, yeah, you can't hurt me, man. We know how much they suck. Don't even bother. <laughs> <laughs>
3: oh yeah, well, right. we can, well we can't play without turbo
1: yeah we know yeah yeah <laughs> exactly yeah it's not it's not a comeback right. anymore is it right, uh-huh. really. anyway well let's move on to the third game which was new zealand against fiji blake and dk you touched on it earlier new zealand getting the win 24 to 18 i watched this whole game and oh not only was it frustrating for the multi because buddy peter Hiku wouldn't score and neither would Jerome Hughes, but it was also just not clean footy to watch. Fiji were in this game the whole time. And as you said, I, I really thought Fiji had this. There was a stage there where it was 18-16. It just came down to luck, really, when you think about it. Rabin is scoring in the 78th minute to win this one. So yeah, look, for me, it was all luck. DK, start with you. I just read this score and I go, coming up against a team like Australia that has been pretty good up until probably the last game, they weren't that clinical, but coming up against a team like that, do you think the Aussies could put 40 on them?
3: Honestly, yeah, probably. And Australia, like, they haven't been tested, like I said, but also like, they've been putting scores of like 40 and 50 and 60 and 70 against anyone they've played. So they'll be coming into the game with sky higher confidence, knowing that no matter, even if that is Lebanon and whatever, but Australia will come into the game thinking we got this 30 or 40 beasts.
1: Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Dave, the question I wanted to ask you, it's about goal kicking. We mm-hmm. can see there. It was a little bit better this week for New Zealand three from four. We know over the past few weeks, reading New Zealand scores have not been great with their goal kicking. No, if it comes down to it, that could really be the difference.
0: Definitely. Definitely. And you know there's two points in it for a goal, and if you lose significant numbers of those, you yeah. know, if you miss them, you've um thrown away significant amounts of points. And we've discussed that with other teams as well. Yeah, where if they had have kicked all those conversions, there would have been a far bigger margin. I don't know why, and we seem to say this every week, but I don't know why goal kicking is not a priority in the training regime of rugby league teams.
1: Yeah, yeah, I it's It's interesting. I I, I think daily, like we talk club games, I think club games it is. But I don't know what happens when they get to the international stage. Whether they think that they can just win the game through tries, which I mean, in Australia's defence, when Adokar scores five, you can. Yep. But if you're looking to blow a team off the park, you've got to convert. If it comes down to Australia and New Zealand, let's say the scores tied at eighteen all, right, and it comes down to a penalty goal, Nathan Cleary, you're probably back Cleary to slot it over Rapiner any day. So
0: yeah, it's, well, it's it's to me it's kind of like going in and you know, playing cricket with some. You yeah, some good batters, some good yeah. bowlers, but you've got people at the end that can't throw a ball. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Why yeah. are we playing games with, with 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 just a few techniques or a few skills that just aren't available or at their full strength?
1: Yeah, I don't know. It's definitely an interesting one, Blake. I don't know what your take is on that, mate. Do you do you have a take on goal kicking and why it's not consistent enough?
0: Yeah, I don't
2: know. I think there was some talk about something to do with the uh, the balls that they're using in the World Cup. Right. Um, the English um, balls—they're different to the Australian balls. Um, have yeah, there was some talk that I saw last week about that—that that it was something to do with that. So
0: they're a bit more posh. Um,
2: yeah, that's right. They just they're, yes, that's exactly right. Exactly. They got the wrong accent. But, um, yeah. yeah, that's right, <laughs> that's right. But yeah, there was some yeah. Apparently, they're different to the you know, balls they use in the NRL. Um okay. I was reading something about. I can't exactly remember what it was, but yeah, apparently they're different. Um, and they've just sort of struggled to adjust to that. And there's been some chatter about you know, with Australia, Nathan Cleary possibly having a bit of a a kick-off with Luttrell for the goal-kicking duties because Luttrell is a noted very good goal-kicker as well. So, um, But I think, you know, when it comes down to these tighter games in the finals and that, uh, goal-kicking really comes into it. It can be the difference between winning and losing. So, you know, it's shown shown with, you know, my club, for example, with the Knights, we don't have a noted goal-kicker. You know, Ponga was kicking for a bit and then we had a couple of other players have a crack and to be honest, it cost us a few times this year where goal kicking really let us down. So it can be definitely be the difference, and it's really been prioritised this year. A lot of teams making sure that they have a, a gun goal kicker, or really try and make it a priority um, in games. Yeah.
1: I think it's so important. If a winger, if if your wingers are predominantly scoring tries, it's going to be on the sideline. So it's good to have a good goal kicker who can kick from the sideline too, because. If you can't, and that's where you're scoring all your tries, then you need to fix your attack. You need to either try and score through the middle with yeah. your forwards, but you can't do that with every team. So you definitely need a recognized goal kicker. Well, yeah. not
0: only that, I, I think what's probably better is not only have a recognized goal kicker, but have a few goal kickers that you can rely on. Yeah. You know, why are we leaving it all to one person? Like they could, if say they put a groin injury and you've got to call somebody else in, Yeah, um, you need to have backup. You really should be having a good number of your team players who can kick from a fair distance out in order to get you out of trouble because there are going to be times when you will get locked up and you need to get that ball out of there. A half-decent kick on a range of different people would be ideal, in my view.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think that's something the Rabbitohs did really well in 2021 when they had Reynolds and Matrell there. Mm -hmm. Obviously, we know how good Adam Reynolds is as a goal kicker, but to then have Matrell who can kick, just as good as a backup when Glassjaw Reynolds got injured every week. So I think it was it's it's so good as you said, Dave, to have that. Uh, DK, you would know, like even at Manly, you know Cherry Evans can kick pretty well, but you know the the way Garrick's come through the ranks and his goal kicking is just sublime at the moment.
3: Hundred percent. And isn't it funny that I started hating on him when he first came in? <laughs> it's a natural Manly fan, right? Yeah. At his first season, he took over his goal kicking. He was missing most of them from the sideline. I was like, here we go again. But That's it. <laughs> especially in 2019, 2020, he really started to find form. And then yeah. 2021, he started nailing most of them, like when we were actually having a run with Turbo and like we're putting on 50 and 60 point team against teams, like he was nailing most of those points. Mm-hmm. So. But it's it's funny to say that, and the point, the counterpoint I'll make is, you, sh- yeah, you should, as to Dave's point, have multiple goal kickers. But a system like Melbourne, who don't have a single recognised goal kicker, but are still putting all these points on a team and still being so successful, yeah. But uh, you come down to those finals games, and they're losing by a couple points. It's mm-hmm. almost as if if Munster could actually kick a goal as well as he could run or have a few beers, then maybe they'd
1: be winning a few more championships. <laughs> yeah, hey, that's that's a great point. I mean, you know, obviously there's been none greater than Cameron Smith when it came to goal-kicking for Melbourne. But, yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Munster can kick it a bit. Nick Meaney as well uh, wasn't too bad at Newcastle and at the Dogs. But also Pappenhausen can if he needs to. So, no, nah, great points there, boys. Well, let's move on to our last game for the quarterfinals, and it was Tonga against Samoa. Our team, Samoa, getting it done at 20-18. to 18. Game of the round for me. It was amazing. There's always such a big rivalry in this game to start with. Both Pacific Island nations, the passion that these two teams have for the game of rugby league and for their nation is just, you've never seen anything like it. Like I almost come to tears because there's just so much passion in that war cry. Mm -hmm. But this game, Blake, I don't know if you got a chance to watch this, mate, but just that Penrith connection again, Luai and Totos, uh, just stealing the show.
2: Yeah, mate. Yeah, it did. It was an absolute cracker. One of the best games of football I've ever watched, especially international-wise. Um, and that's what everyone wanted. That's what you expect when you get to the business end of a World Cup. You expect the games to be close and be good contests. So, you know, it was good to see just a finally a good game of close international test footy. Um As I said, that Penrith connection really shone through there. Yeah, Luai, Toto, Stephen Crichton—you know—it all shone through. And I think, as I said before, I think Samoa surprised a lot of people. It was was definitely an upset win, especially the way that Samoa started their tournament with an absolute flogging from England in the first first uh first pool game. You know, and I thought I think a lot of people expected Tonga to really be pushing to make the final. So yeah, I think definitely an upset, but a very very good win for Samoa and. You know, they get, the, they get a chance to rewrite their wrongs now when they take on England in, in uh, the other semifinals. So that'll be interesting to see how they come back. Wouldn't that be a turnaround? Getting beat by 60 in yeah. the first round against England to come oh, back yeah, and beat them it. in the semi final that, that would be something. So that would be one of the all-time turnarounds in sport. But yeah, no, very impressive from Samoa. I thought they were really, really good. Tonga, a bit disappointing, but, you know, just goes to show, mate, you know, that Penrith connection um, showing up again and just shows what a quality uh, quality club they are.
1: Yeah, I thought it was funny, Dave. I'll I'll jump to you. We we talked about you know Tonga got that ninety-two point win last week, and we were saying, oh, okay, you know, because we had written them off before that they hadn't had massive wins and been NRL scores, really 34 to six and things like that. And then they do this great score, 92, and then they come out and it's back to where they were. I don't know because you can't even say that they didn't play with enough heart because they did. I don't really know what the answer was. But if we actually have a look, I mean, you're going to hate this for the conversions. He missed one. It would have been 20-all.
0: It would have been 20-all. and But I think what it comes down to at the end of the day is you had two strong teams that really understood each other and the way they played.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Right, if you have a look at where the the tries actually fell, they were very close on either side between each other at 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 certain times, yeah, so there's a lot of touring and throwing with the ball between both teams, so it really could have went either way, yeah,
1: absolutely it's it's always a great competition between these two uh Tonga and Samoa, But that's it for the quarterfinals. We're going to move on to the semis now, we'll dissect it a bit, I'll get all your takes on who you think's going to win and why. Let's start with Australia versus New Zealand. At time of recording on Friday night, this game is on tomorrow morning at 6.45 a.m. Good time for it. That's what you want. But let's start with you, DK. Australia versus New Zealand. Who gets to win and by how many?
3: Australia by like 12.
1: Oh, Australia 12. I like it. Blakey?
2: I think Australia comfortably, I'm going to say 20. Um, New Zealand very very disappointing in their last game. I know Australia didn't play great, but you know with some of the wins I've had, it's hard to get up every week when you're constantly yeah. flogging opponents by fifty. It's it's very hard. But I think they, you know, they're not going to take New Zealand lightly at all, as they shouldn't. They still got a quality team, New Zealand. But I don't know. I was just very disappointed with New Zealand in the last game, and I think Australia is really going to step it up a notch this week.
1: Yeah, I think in this game as uh, in the last game as well, as you said, Australia actually. Had to move the team around, obviously Teddy going off. Uh, it meant meant a shuffle in the back line as well. So, yeah, there was a lot of shuffling in the team, and yeah, so I guess it wasn't clinical from that point of view. Dave they did rest a few
2: players as well. They did yeah, rest that's a few right. players too. Ben Hunt was rested, so yeah. Cherry Evans was playing a bit of a utility role, which just doesn't really suit him. So, back to the Harry Grant um, Ben Hunt rotation, which I think will really be good for the Aussies.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Dave, who wins? Well. You've all made convincing points, and I tend to agree with you. I mean, if they're arrested a few players and they're bringing back the strongest ones back in, there's really no stopping them, really. And besides that, I'm Aussie through and through. I'm going to back the home team.
1: Beautiful. Well, it's four from four. I'm going to take the Aussies as well. I'm actually going to say the Aussies by quite a bit. I'm going to call this score about 40 to 18. I just think, like, like you said, Blake, New Zealand for me last week were just not good enough. It just wasn't good enough for international football and for quarterfinals as well. They should have put a score on Fiji. And that's no discredit to Fiji. Fiji played really well. But New Zealand had that many errors in that game last week. They should have won that game by a lot more. So it's Australia by me by about 24 points. And let's move on to our second game at the semifinals. It's England against Samoa. Dave, I'll start with you. Who's going to win this one?
0: You'd be mad to bet against England. Yeah. You really would. I mean, like I said, they are contenders. And yeah. they are going to stand up and make it happen. And I think they're going to prove uh, Gus Gould wrong for the second <laughs> time with the same same opposition. I I don't think yeah nothing I've seen from England has really been disappointing. So that's yeah, where that's that's where my view on things is. Yeah, beautiful. DK. Well, call me mad.
3: <laughs> I'm going to go for the fairy tale finish. I reckon Samoa by like two.
1: <laughs> wow, Samoa by two. It's a conversion to win it.
2: Goal kicking.
3: Like
1: Goal it. kicking. I like it. Goal kicking. Dave will be happy, and Blake, you to finish off, mate.
2: Yeah, mate. Got to agree with Dave. England at home on their home on their home deck. Yeah, it's true that we'll go with David, the first David. (laughs) (laughs) Um. Well, yeah, England, mate. Two. Yeah, just on their home deck. They've been very impressive. Haven't dropped off at all, really. With their performances. You know, I was talking, as I mentioned just before, you know, it's hard to get up every week when you're flogging teams constantly. It's, you know, it can be hard, but um, they've kept the foot on the throttle the whole way. And yeah, I'm, I'm very, very much expecting an Australia England final um, for sure. I reckon England to get the chocolates by, we'll say, 14, 14 by three. Yeah. Nice, I like it.
1: Well, I'm also on England. So if Samoa win this, uh, DK is definitely going to be on the pod, and we'll all be shutting our mouths. So yep. I'm going to go England as well. I just think just too strong. Just as you said, they've just been they've been clinical every round. They haven't dropped off. The tries they've scored have been incredible. Their goal kicking is pretty good. They've only missed a few here and there. It's England for me. I do think it's going to be tight. I'm actually in the same region as DK. I think it's going to be two points in it. I'm going to say 20 to 18. Tight score. And that is it for the Rugby League World Cup Finals. Let's move on to some cricket. Bit of a T20 update. It's a sad, sad time in the life of Australians, uh, we obviously came up against Afghanistan. So against Afghanistan, only getting four runs to win. We needed a lot more. We needed some other things to fall our way. I'm not too upset because I I don't think we deserved to be in there the way we've been playing. DK, as our uh, other resident cricket player, is it disappointing for you?
3: Yeah, because unfortunately I sort of cursed us by going to that first New Zealand game. <laughs> um, but it, ever, anything I have watched especially I watched the final eight overs of us bowling against Afghanistan and we just looked like we didn't want it yeah. at all. Like, there was no aggression. There was no, oh, we still have a chance. There was no fight. It was just like, oh, we've already won. Let's just yep. bowl it out. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, Afghanistan shouldn't have gone anywhere near that.
0: No. But, yeah.
1: It, it was a great start too because I was watching the start of this game and Warner flew out of the box and I thought, here we go. This is going to be a classic Dave Warner 100. And then he gets 24 and gets out. So it just, I, I just think we needed to just finish the campaign here. Let's focus on the test coming up and let's win it. Blake, I don't know if you got to watch a whole lot of this game or the T20s much at all but as an australian fan does it does it upset you as dk said the lack of energy within this team
2: yeah mate it does you know playing in your home country that should be enough to get you going especially in a world cup especially considering this one was postponed to due to covid so it's been been a bit of a wait yeah as as dk said very disappointing they just looked lethargic the whole tournament. Yeah. Me personally, been mentioned before. I think they had too many warm up games as well. I think they had something like four or five warm up games. They, they just tapes. looked exhausted by the time the tournament started. So, wait, far too many warm up games. Too much, just too much chopping and changing with the team as well. Players coming in, players coming out. Pat Cummins, I think you need to worry about his cricket again instead of worrying about the sponsors and things like that. That whole fiasco. We don't need to go into that. Yeah. Just focus on your cricket, mate. Aaron Finch, I think he needs to just give it away. Uh, showing that he's not up to it anymore. <laughs> Retired from one day. Should retire from T20s as well. But I also think that they, they they just need to have one captain across everything. Cummins is the captain of the test side. He's now probably going to be the captain of the one day side. He's playing T20s. Just make him the captain of the T20 side yeah. as well. How it Absolutely. used to be. Cro- captain across all formats. You know, guys like Michael Clark, he was captain across all the five months back when he was captain. Yeah. Um, you know, I just think there's too much, there's just too much chopping and changing with the team. We all remember a few years ago that rotation policy, they uh, rubbish that they went on with a few years ago, and they seem to still be doing the same thing now. I don't know why they can't just stick with the same team. They're always chopping and changing. And yeah, as you said, it just seemed like, they just seemed disinterested. There was no passion about it. There was no, they didn't look inspired to be out there. They didn't look like, are enjoying themselves, and as DK said against Afghanistan, to let them get within four runs of beating us is that, not... that would have been one of the that would have been one of the all time upset losses, but also yeah. one of the most embarrassing losses in for Australian sport. So yeah, yeah mate, there's a, sure. there's, a, there's a there's a lot going on with Australian cricket now, and um, a lot needs to change.
1: Dave, jump to you. I mean, I can't say we didn't tell them so, did we? I mean, we've been saying this for years. We have,
0: you know, top order collapse again. That's it. You know, and the, leaving the uh, tail to wag the dog, unfortunately. And it, it looks works. as though that's what happened there.
1: Yep. And you just you just can't keep doing that. Glenn Maxwell stole the show in this one, which was yeah. great for the big show because he hasn't had a great score this whole tournament. So great personally for him. But as you said, you, you can't leave it to the tail no. to win the game because often it doesn't happen. As a, uh, as a tail ender myself, you know, I got one one run on the weekend. Uh, you know, we don't we don't often get many runs. We're not here to save the day.
0: <laughs> exactly. And look, um, to to be fair, Glenn Maxwell fifty four off thirty two. It's a pretty decent knock. Yeah. But in T Twenty cricket, you don't have a lot of time to play Test match style cricket where you can right. take all morning to unwind and get yourself into a rhythm. You've got to come out swinging from day from from ball one. Yeah. And. You know, if these guys are test players, uh, they've really got to start changing up their tactics in order to to deal with this format of the game because it just—it's a whole different ballgame. It's a whole different, you know, uh, whole whole different style of play that you really need here.
1: Yeah, for sure. I completely agree with you. And the one thing I don't get—and any of you can jump in at Mm -hmm. this point—but Mitchell Star, right? What is it about Mitchell Stark? Like, why, why do they keep dropping Mitchell Stark? Like, no, no offense but to Australian cricket, but Mitchell Stark can also bat. He's, he's quite a good batsman. Hits sixes most of the time, even in test match, mm-hmm. and is probably still, like, Pat Cummins and Hazelwood are great in test, but Stark has the speed. That pace that he can bowl that ball, yes, he's erratic. We had Mitchell Johnson. It was exactly the same thing. Brett Lee was erratic, but he bowls a a fantastic ball when he's on, and I just don't see why they keep Dropping him from matches,
3: especially with Dan Richardson, that was supposed to be the the closer or the guy that yeah. had confidence in who goes for twenty or thirty in his last over.
1: Yeah, it 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 doesn't make sense. I mean, it, and it's not like he was injured, so they can't blame it on Stark having a niggling injury. He just he was just dropped for Richardson, and that's that's no discredit to Richardson. Like congratulations that he got his chance, but I don't think Stark's been that bad this tournament. Nah, not a, not as bad as other bowlers. Yeah, I I actually don't think Pat Cummins has been very good. As Blake, as you said before, there's a lot on his mind with all the sponsorship debacle that's going on. And he hasn't bowled that well this tournament at all. Uh, So for me, like, to drop a bowler, like if, why, why not drop Cummins for one game? You know, if he's not bowling well, drop him. See how that goes. But don't drop your bowler who's actually been taking wickets. Anyway, it yeah. doesn't make sense. Exactly. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's our T20 update. Uh, as it stood, India played England last night. England got the win in that one. And Pakistan beat New Zealand. How good was that? I really wanted to see... India and Pakistan in it. It won't be. It'll be Pakistan and England. But it's it's going to be a great final. Uh, I would love to see the Pakis get it done because it, it's always good. Pa- Pakistan cricket. They're just they're just so vocal and just the history behind this Pakistan cricket team is is just relentless. It's just relentless cricket. So it's going to be a really good game to watch. I think England may get it done. As much as I want to see Pakistan win, I think England will get the win in this one.
0: All right. Oh, they're also pretty tight wins too I mean, yeah. you know pakistan getting it done with one run and yeah. <laughs> england getting it done with two runs in in hand
1: it was very tight very tight uh and yeah. i it, the way england batted i mean you look at that score alex hales and josh butler at the top of the order there yep they were just on fire i don't think i've seen alex hales bat that well in a few years Probably not yeah. since can't remember. Maybe the big bash. I mean, he, he could bat pretty well in the big bash, but that's one of his best scores in a while.
0: It is. And look, this yeah. is this is exactly the sort of cricket that Australia should be playing, where the openers oh. just stay in and, and get it done.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. I will say, I will say though, God, it was good to see India get crushed last night. As much as we put <laughs> as much as we put crap on England and we don't like the India either. Jesus, it was good to see India get flogged last night. That it was, was good a good India at that, home. That was a hiding. That was an absolute hiding. That was good <laughs> to see. And especially yeah. only because it was Hales because he's a Thunder boy. So it was good to see him get some good runs.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh,
1: beautiful. Oh, man. no.
3: Don't, we're all don't Thunder the here.
0: No, we're all how, how, how do we do that? <laughs>
1: Nah,
3: but for real, go Pakistan just because, like, my work colleague is English and she's been talking that much smack that England are going to win two World Cups in one weekend.
1: Oh, I want to be quiet. So please, Pakistan. <laughs> yes. Pakistan and Samoa now. We want both of them to win. Let's go. <laughs> well, that's all we got time for for the T20 update. You know, boys, it doesn't get much better than watching sport on a Sunday Avo. However, sometimes you need a snack. And now. With Gibson's Country Style Jerky, your snack needs are complete. With a wide variety of flavors, including teriyaki, honey-soy garlic, mild chili, and pepper steak, Gibson's has all your jerky needs covered. Get your jerky at gibsoncountrystylejerky.com. And now, if you use the code RUCK5, you'll get 5% off. Gibson's Country Style Jerky, for the snackaholic in you. All right, boys, some massive news during the week of Rugby League. We had a retirement announcement. Andrew McCulloch has announced his retirement officially from the game, uh, 2022 being his final season. Let's look back at his career a little bit. Obviously played for the Broncos, Newcastle for a stint there, and the Dragons. Real good player. Played for Origins for Queensland as well. Never donned the Australian jersey. But look, he wouldn't be lost in the Australian jersey. He was quite a good hooker. I actually am surprised he has retired. I just don't think there was really a contract going for him. Blakey, I'll start with you.
2: Are you sad about this one? Yeah, mate, I am. Um. I guess my opinion sort of changed on him when he left the Broncos. You know, I really didn't like him as a player at the Broncos. Um, yeah. He was a great player, but just didn't like him. You know, Queensland and... Prison player, just natural for New South Wales <laughs> supporter not to like him. But, you know, he came and had his stint at, at, at the, uh, the Knights. Um, and he was actually one of our better players for those few games that he did play. Unfortunately, ended up tearing his hamstring off the bone. Newcastle yeah. Luck. Um, but those games that he did play in uh, 2020, I believe it was, um, he was, he was really, really good. Uh, saved us a game against merely match-winning play. You know, so he's um, he, he just a very reliable player. You knew what you were going to get out of him. He was going to be an absolute workhorse, get in there, make his 50 tackles, um, provide good service out of dummy half. As you said, unlucky not to play for Australia. Unfortunately, he just came through at a wrong time um, with so many other good hookers. You know, Cameron Smith, obviously, the main one there. Robbie Farah, guys like that. Uh, Michael Ennis, you know, so a bit unlucky there. But, yeah, I think he'll be remembered as a very... Um, very solid player. Always gave it his all. Great um, defensive you know, player. player too. Yeah, definitely. Always made, you know, f- there or about 50 tackles every game. Yeah. You know, so, no, I think, I think he'll be missed. You know, I think, yeah, he had one year to run on his Dragons contract, but, you know, just I think he just thought it was time to move on and retire. You know, they um, they signed Jacob Little from the Tigers, the Dragons this year, young yeah. from the Tigers. Good so signing. I think good it was signing. Just, it, yeah, very good signing. So I think it was just about You know, paving the way for him to to get the starting jersey. And it appears he's already headed back to the Broncos in a coaching capacity, um as well. So I think that's a perfect role for him. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I think I think he's gonna make a really good coach one day, very smart footballer. Um, but yeah, and I sad to see him go, but um, great career.
1: Yeah. Three hundred and nine games. I mean, it's pretty good, fourteen seasons in the NRL. So quite a long time. And One of his former teammates, Moses Embai, paid tribute to him uh, this week and called him a warrior of the game. And I think that statement's really true for McCulloch. I think, as we just shared, the, the way he used to tackle, he could just cut a forward down. Didn't matter the size of the bloke. He was always in the fight, always in the tackle, and definitely be missed. Uh, so, yeah, it's a sad one for NRL and I guess Queensland, not really for us. We're New South Welshmen, but sad for NRL. And obviously, he gets to spend time with his young family now, which is always the best part. It's a very bittersweet feeling. You always, you never want to see players retire, but you're happy they are so that they can spend time with their family. So, you know, congrats to McCulloch on his career and everything that he has done. Obviously, he listens to the podcast. So we'd just like to thank him for his support, of course. All right. Well, let's move on to our talking point segments. All right, DK, I don't know if you can see that. First little uh, point there. I know you you look so excited to talk about this again, but oh, Manly we man. have officially confirmed Anthony Seabold as coach. Uh,
3: <laughs> um, I actually messaged him the other day, Seabold. Just said congratulations on the appointment. Hopefully we have a prosperous 2023 and beyond.
1: And he Got said a- new number who dis.
3: yeah i actually did get a a thanks mate text back so at least that was nice yeah i'm not gonna dwell on it a bunch of the comments i made on the last time i was i was on but uh, i'm hoping i'm hoping with some of the way he's talking about it and can't focus too much on the negatives or the um uh, mate i I just i'm hopeful that we can get something out of it
1: (sighs) yeah look it's it's a new season let's just hope that He doesn't bring the energy that he had at Brisbane to Manly. You want to see a completely new coach, a completely new side of Anthony Seabold. So let's hope he can do that. Uh, Not really much more I want to talk about with Anthony Seabold. So move on to our next point. Blake, I want to jump to you. The Dolphins looking at Dylan Brown and Tessie New. Tessie New obviously out of favor now with Rhys Walsh heading back To the Red Hill there. So, what do you think about these signings if they come to fruition?
2: Yeah, I think very good signings. Dylan Brown showing what a very, very good player he is for the Eels over the last couple of years. Had a Mm -hmm. bit of a lean year last year, but this year he played, he was outstanding, got the world at his feet, still only very young, playing very well for New Zealand as well in the World Cup at the moment, too. So, I think he'd be a really, really great signing. Wayne Bennett's made it known how how very keen he is on him as a player and how much he's he
1: also to coach him. Played a grand final now too, so he's had that experience.
2: Yes, yeah, that's right. So, um, you know, I think I think he'd go really well under Wayne Bennett and Tessie New, mate, another star of the future. Been very limited, um, had a lot of injuries, unfortunately, um, but he looks really good when he has played. Fullback started playing in the um, in the centres when he first come made his debut for the Broncos, but then finally got his crack at fullback this year, just gone. Showed a lot of potential um, when he did play fullback. But yeah, Dolphins are in the hunt. And then, yeah, heard also the Knights are in the hunt for his signature as well. They've joined the race. So, you know, because with the impending move of, Caelan Palmer to 5'8". They're still looking for someone to play fullback. I don't think we need to worry about that. I think we should be focusing on a halfback, but that's just me anyway. But um, yeah, no, mate, I think he's very talented and it'd be a handy pickup for the Knights or the Dolphins.
1: Yeah, well, not having you on last week, we actually chatted a bit about Luke Brooks, and this week we hear about Jackson Hastings a little bit, and apparently him and John Bateman don't get along too well. Obviously, John Bateman being rumoured to be joining the Tigers for 2023. So if that's the case, Hastings is being linked to Newcastle, meaning that the Knights will miss out on Brooks. I think you'd rather Hastings, but I... I I don't know. I mean, it'd be nice to get both. But what's your take on Brooks or Hastings there?
2: Yeah, mate, honestly, I'd take either one better than what we've got currently. You know, as as it stands now, our current starting halves for round one would be Adam Clune and Tyson Gamble. Now, they're not going to win you very many games of NRL. That's, again, you know, they've just left themselves in a really terrible position with what they've done. When they released Mitchell Pearce last year from the last year of his contract, without finding a suitable, suitable replacement before they released him. You know, the club's only got themselves to the blame that they've found themselves in this position. So, you know, I'd take either of them. Me, personally, I'd prefer Brooks. He's, a, you know, he's a bit younger, a bit quicker. I still think he's got a lot of potential untapped, yeah. you know, with the GOAT Joey Johns on our coaching staff. I think, you know, Joey's desperate to work with him. He stated it many times in the media um, and on Channel 9, how, you know how much he'd love to work with Brooks and untap all that potential that's still there. So I think get, for him to get the opportunity to work under Joey as he, one of his uh, coaches, I think, would be huge for Brooks. And I think also just to see change, to get out of Sydney, get away from the Tigers, 100%. get up to Newcastle where there's a lot less media spotlight for him up there. I think that's exactly what he needs, a change of scenery, yeah. um, some different voices, different a different vibe around the playing group. I think that would do him really well. Hastings as well, I think he showed this year that you know he'd be more than – more than capable, obviously won the Man of Steel a few years ago over in the, the Super League, come back here this year, his first year in then NRL and showed that, you know, he's a really, really quality player. But for me, I'd definitely go Brooks. But, mate, either of them is better than what we've got at the moment. So I'll take either, 100%.
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I think also with Brooks, he won't have that pressure. I think going to a place like Newcastle, as you said, it's quite relaxed. It's quite a calm and just chilled location. So I think for him going there, the vibe of the city and the vibe of the town and the vibe of the team, I think he'll fit in really well there. It's going to be really interesting to see where this all goes we still have a bit of time. We're about five months before round one, so it'll be really interesting. Let's move on to our next point. We've talked a bit about Australia's cricketing woes, so let's move to the Australian Test team was an, was named during the week in thirteen-player squad. So let's talk a bit of the players, Dave. I'll jump to you. I know you love your cricket, but let's go through a few of these names. It's it's pretty much the same as our uh, Test match earlier this season. So we got Pat Cummins, obviously, who will suit up as captain. Scotty Boland, Alice Carey, Cameron Green, Marcus Harris, Josh Hazelwood, Travis Head, Usman Khawaja, Manus Elabashane, Nathan Lyon, The Goat, Steve Smith, Mitchell Stark, and David Warner. So it's a good squad there of 13. You'd think that, how do you leave Scott Boland out? The way Scott Boland bowled in the Ashes Test against England was just incredible. But then you have a dilemma of, who do you play as your quicks? Do you have Stark, Cummins, Hazelwood? Or do you have Stark, Cummins, Boland? Or do you have Cummins, Boland, Hazelwood? So it's going to be a really interesting one. Dave, are you excited for this test against the Windies?
0: Uh, definitely. I mean, the Windies are always a formidable opponent for us. Yeah. And as you said, you pretty much summed it up when it comes to uh, the problem that Australian uh, the Australian side has at the moment, and that is we have so much talent, who do you leave out? yeah and uh that is a bit of a problem unfortunately because you've got so much talent and you have to leave somebody out if someone doesn't perform in the first test you can swap them out for somebody else who's equally as good and if not better yeah so that's that's a, a benefit for us um and you've got some really good test players in there like as you say nathan lions david warner but again you'd want to hope that they in the best form that they could possibly be to ensure that uh, we get off to a good start early so that we can get in a commanding position for when uh the other team has to, so we can, so we can sort of uh, declare and and force some follow-ons. Yeah, for sure. DK, the Windies
1: aren't the formidable foe that we once knew them
0: to be. Obviously, with the likes of you
1: know Ambrose and uh, Malcolm and Marshall and Lloyd Walsh, all those boys back in the day. Brian Lara, we can't forget as well. I think we can't rest on our laurels. I don't. I think Australia need to head into this are not thinking that they're going to win from the initial outset. 100%. There's no one in the world anymore that's
3: going to roll over, especially like world cricket. You're coming up with uh, nations such as Ireland or Afghanistan that are really pushing these top-tier nations to actually like wins, if not close games or close series. So you can't go into any kind of series in any form of cricket anymore thinking it's going to be a rollover and a sweep. So in this case... Yeah, you're 100% right. Maybe the Windies aren't the the foes of old, but it's still not going to be a straightforward, easy series.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, Blakey, I know you'll be excited for the cricket if you get to watch a bit of it. Mate, Nathan Lyon, he's there. Could we see uh, some more spectacular wickets from the GOAT?
2: I hope so, mate. It's always fun seeing uh, the GOAT get wickets. Um, yeah, Always a good time. I think we can, mate. I think he's still got a bit to offer. He showed that. In uh, the tour, a lot uh, earlier this year over in Pakistan, tracking 400 um, you know. as well. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Amazing. So, I know. So yeah, I think I think he's um, definitely still going to be our go-to option for spin this summer. Um, yeah. I think he can still provide plenty of highlights. So definitely think he's one of our go-to men. But just having a look at the squad here, There's
1: not well. really a backup spinner at all, either.
2: No, not really. Mitch Swepson was the other one. He went with them overseas to Pakistan and he yeah. hasn't been included in the squad. But mind you, this is the squad only for the West Indies test. They've got three tests, three test series after that, straight away against South Africa after that. So yeah. things could change from this series to that series. But yeah, just have a look at it. He's, he's the only spinner, real true spinner that we've got. Yeah, um, you've obviously know, you know, got
1: like Heddy and Labashain. And
2: yeah, you know, Smith bowls a bit of spin. Smith yeah. took a couple of wickets last year against England. So, you know, um, you know, options if needed. But, yeah, I think Nathan Lyon's definitely the go-to. But, yeah, just having a look at the rest of the squad here, though, Joey. And I've got to be honest, I'm surprised to see Marcus Harris back in the squad again. Um, yeah, so I, I think that's a, fa- it's a failed experiment. I don't know how – some guys just seem to get way too many chances. He's pushing Ward's – He's pushing towards marsh status now um, yeah. with the amount of chances that he's getting. So, you know, poor Osman Khawaja, I think, oh, they picked him, but God, he got the rough end of the stick there for a while. So I'm glad they've kept him. he showed his form in Pakistan, he's outstanding for yeah, um, us. So. I...
1: Don't think Marcus Harris will start. I think I'm hoping your openers will be Uzi and Warner uh, for the first yeah. test at least. So we'll, yeah, we can well, do is hope. Well,
2: Har- Harris just got bowled out for zero and one over the last two days when Victoria oh, rolled sixty three. So but that's um, some good yeah, batting there. I don't think he's going to get picked. I think you'll see a very similar squad to the Ashes last year. To be honest, um, it it's, it's going to be hard. Right? Be, it's going to be hard. He's gonna be hard with bowling. No, you're right. It's gonna be hard with bowling because Hazelwood was injured last year, and that's why he got a crack. But, um, but um, yeah, what, what were you trying Six to say, DK?
3: <laughs> is, it, is it possible for Harris to be dropped from the squad? <laughs> I know.
2: I don't. Uh, uh, yeah, I don't know how he's in there. Be, beats me. Um, as I said, right. he's had a million chances, and he's get picked again. So personally, though, I, down
1: I think I'd rather be dropped than be uh, running the drinks. If you're running yeah. the drinks, you still got to do something. At least if you dropped, you can just sit and relax and watch the cricket.
2: Hundreds. Yeah. I just. Yeah. I, it's just. It's just bizarre to me. I just don't. Yeah. This is the thing. We we just they find it hard to move on with some of the team selections. Yeah. Um. You know the T Twenty team as we were talking about before. You know, that's going to look very different in a couple of years' time at the next World Cup because that squad's quite old. Yeah, I think we had the oldest squad in the in the uh the whole tournament. So you know, I think they just got to it's got to get to a point where they've got to move on from some of these players. Joey and um, yeah, I think Harris is one of them. Yes, he's still a bit young, but. Mate, he's had too many chances now, and he just shown that he hasn't been able to do it. So yeah, yeah. While we're going down a beaten track again, you know, yeah. just yeah, it's very, very strange.
1: Yeah, well, that's it for our talking points segment. Let's move on to some signing news during the week. We heard Aaron Shop from the Doggies is going to the Gold Coast Titans. I think that's a real good move. He was probably one of the Dogs' best last year. Uh, this year, sorry, I should say. I keep forgetting where we are in the year. <laughs> um, this year, even though. They they weren't great. I think he was one of their best. He really came of age this season. Also, Joe Stimson is also heading to the Titans from the Bulldogs as well. So Titans pick up a few players. They've obviously picked up Sam Verrills as well heading over this year. So starting to recruit a bit there, the Gold Coast Titans. But let's have a look at the round one draw that was announced during Woo-hoo. the week. This is going to be really exciting. Let's just get on to round one of 2023 Telstra Premiership. We start with the Thursday night match. Now, it's going to look a bit different this year because teams get three buys during the season. Now that there's 17 teams, we've got a 27-round season. Teams get three buys. So let's start with round one, Eels against Melbourne Storm. Look, I think the Eels are going to struggle this year. I think their premiership window has closed at least for the near future. I think Reed Marnie is a massive loss for them. And yes, they recruit Josh Hodgson and he's coming over, but he's also uh, past 30 as well. So I think that Reed Marnie is a massive loss. I think that, you know, they'll be better for their grand final appearance, but I just don't know. I think Storm will get this done pretty easily. I don't know if you boys have anything to add, but it's Storm for me in that game.
2: Yeah, pretty much the same, Joey. Um, yeah. Just to reiterate what you said, Dowling, the Eels premiership window is over. They had their chance uh, this year. They blew it lost the grand final. And I think, as you said, they've just lost too many players to be up there as good as they are again. You know, Mitchell Moses and Dylan Brown are getting scouted by multiple teams to leave as well. So that's going to be some chatter going on for a while. So yeah, yeah, I think the Eels Eels definitely won't go as far as what they did uh, this year. Yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, we look at the second game, Warriors against your Newcastle Knights. Blakey, Warriors back at home in round one. This is really exciting. Look, I never want to back against you, Blakey, because you're one of my best mates, but it's going to be the Warriors for me. I'm just so excited to see the Usos back at home. It's it's going to be great. Let's get uh, 40,000 out there. to uh, It's now called Sky Stadium, not Mount Smart anymore. Dave, the Kiwi Army, they're coming for Newcastle.
0: They are, and I, at this point in the, the season, the season hasn't even started yet, and it's getting to be very difficult to start recommending or or picking whoever's going to win this. Um, there's a few indicators online that would give you some clues as to who might get up and who mightn't. I don't take a lot of them very seriously. <laughs> we were talking earlier about Dom Young playing fine football for the, for England in the World Cup. Maybe he might do some magic for the Knights this year. Considering that um, he's going to have a bit of a climate change coming from England to Australia and start playing in, in March when it's still pretty hot, might struggle a bit. So, but I think it's anybody's game really yeah, to start definitely. with. But being the Nova Castrian that I am, I should probably <laughs> go for the Knights over the Kiwis. And doesn't look like the, the the professional pundits reckon they ain't going to get up. But I'll, I'll, oh, that's the hill I choose to die on for this one. Uh, knights over the Warriors.
1: Yeah, yeah, I like it. And look, we'll call this our uh, way too early predictions, but <laughs>
0: we're, we're, we're just
1: so excited that the round one draw is out. we got five months still footy. I just can't wait. I can't. I'm so excited. Let's move on to our next game. I won't let Blake talk about Newcastle. Oh,
2: can our- I, can, can I Can I just say, <laughs> can I just say, New Zealand of all the teams of, of all the teams coming in <laughs> and Magic Round gets named and we're the ones that get oh, a point no. on Magic Round. You no. are kidding me. What a disgrace. They've got to figure oh. that out. I, I think it should be the team that gets the wooden spoon from the year before is the team that misses out on Magic Round.
1: Yeah, I mean, that'd be great for Luke Brooks because
2: he would have missed out. But if he goes to Newcastle, he's still going to miss out. So there you go. You know what, mate? I take it with a grain of salt. It's a guaranteed two points. We're winners. So I'm yeah. happy with that. I'll take there, that. There you go. Exactly. <laughs> I mean,
1: at least you'll come uh, second last with two points for the season. So that's great.
2: see it. Exactly. And we don't lose a home game either. So even better. Perfect. Mate, we got three by, so we get six points. Not oh, three yeah, sorry.
1: Quick quick maths, you know.
0: That's not my strong we need. Point.
2: We, we're going to need all the points we can get.
0: Well, you got six giveaways for the start of the season before you even begin, so that's not bad. That's what you want.
1: Uh, so let's look at Panthers against the Broncos at Bluebet Stadium there. Panthers, obviously, favourites, being the reigning premiers. Really big game there. I think Broncos have recruited well. I like Reese Walsh at Brisbane. I think it's going to be good. Look... I, again, like we can't call it five months out. I'm going to take Penrith just for how good they've been. Uh, Their players, though, might, you know, I mean, they'll get a few months to uh, practice and come back after the World Cup. But if it had been a bit closer, they may have been tired. But, yeah, I think Penrith get it done in this one.
3: It it could be a lot closer than people are expecting, especially now. Like, yes, it is the Penrith system, but look at Manly the last three years when we lost Appy. Yeah. You can't ever underestimate the loss of Aposite Chloris out to your team. He's the best, if not top three, hooker in the game. Yeah. So absolutely. you cannot yeah. underestimate that influence that he's going to lose. And now, don't get me wrong, Mitch Kenny's a good player, but he's not origin caliber. Yeah, so, well,
1: I I actually think that uh, Mitch Kenny won't start nine for long. I think Sonny Luke will take over as nine, maybe halfway through the season or even before that. Sonny Luke is a really, really good young player. I think he'll come through quite quick. You might even see Mitch Kenny as a 14 or even play a bit of lock there as well if Yo uh, decides to have a bit of a stint. So, yeah, great point there, though. Appy is a massive loss. Definitely one of the form hookers of comp.
2: We'll talk a bit about
1: him when we get to the Tigers. Sorry, Blakey.
2: No, good mate. Also, I just wanted to say, um, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, the World Club Challenge back in Australia. Yes, for the first time in a while next year, Australia versus taking on Saint Hel- uh, Penrith taking on Saint Helens. Not often we get club challenges out here in Australia, so it'll be um, it'll be good to see, mate. I hope they I hope they both feel full strength teams because I reckon it'll be a, a really good game, and um, you know, always get to love watching the World Club Challenge. So it's good yeah. to see it back in Australia.
1: It, the World Club Challenge is great. Uh, it can sometimes show a bit of uh, golf in class compared to, like, your Super League and NRL with some big scores. But when the Super League teams turn up, they turn up, and it's really good to watch. Let's look at our next game. We'll throw to DK for this one, Manly against the Doggies. If uh, you're a betting man, it's a eighty to Seagulls, $2 to the Doggies. This is going to be a great game. Almost game it around for me, round one. It's going to be tight. DK, sell us on Manly.
3: Oh, I was about
1: to sell you on the dogs. <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, if, if you're a football fan and you know your history, you also know that no, Manly are notoriously a slow start. Yeah. So as long as I've been alive, Manly have always almost, I don't think in the last 15 years, Manly have won a, a round one game. Mm-hmm. So... I would pick the safe bet in this case is probably the dogs, especially with the new coach, new players, new systems. Ooh. I would love nothing more than to, to be proven wrong, mm. especially with all the new players coming into the dogs. They're going to be uh, red hot and a new coach and Cameron Serraldo. I mean, I reckon and I hope it'll be a close game. But especially with how we've started the last couple of years, it's it's not it's not fun.
1: Yeah, look, I actually think the dogs are gonna be in the top eight this year. I think their recruitment has been amazing. Kikau's massive for them, Reed Marnie's massive for them, is massive for them. Serrado is their best signing to date. Uh what he did at Penriff was incredible. And even as a player, he was so good. He just was a smart player. He just knows the game. So I think doggies are going to go really well. I really want to back you as one of my mates. You know, I, w- I want to say manly, but I'm going to go the dogs in this one. Uh, I don't know if anyone has anything else to add. It's two new coaches coming up against each other, which is also exciting.
2: You know, Bulldogs, very impressive. You know, they had a good team this year. Didn't really match the results, but, you know, some very, very things going to be a lot different this year. As you said, Cameron Serraldo coach and adding also Viliami Kikiao and uh, Reed Marnie to the, to yeah. the fold. Yeah. Mate, that, that's what they really lacked last year for me was a hooker. You know, Jeremy Marshall King's obviously left now and gone to the Dolphins. Dolphins, yeah. Um, I think that's exactly what they needed. Not still, not sure about Kyle again. I think they still need a genuine halfback. I think that's yeah. one thing they're still missing. I agree. Um, Brandon Wakeham, he's shown that it just doesn't work with him. So I think that's still something they need to look at possibly buying is a quality half. Uh, Quality halfback. If they can get a quality halfback to support Matt Burton in the halves, geez, I'll be a very hard team to beat. That's for sure. Geez, it's crazy.
1: Did you guys see that? Just to uh, off topic a little bit, but did you guys see the big uh, red moon the other day?
0: Yes, yeah, I did. In the yes. night
1: sky, they were saying that was one of uh, Matt Burton's bombs that never came down after Origin. So. Uh. Yeah, it was pretty crazy. That's how high up it got. But, yeah, let's look at the next game for round one, and it was the Cowboys against the Raiders. Uh, Look, Cows, we saw what they did last year. One game from a grand final, they played really well. The Raiders are always a team that I like. I just, yeah, I I think most people like the milk. It's hard to not like them. I mean, Blake doesn't like them because of what they did to Newcastle last year, but uh, this year I should say in that tight one. Uh, But but apart from that, I think the Raiders are – You know, they're not a bad team, but I think it's just going to be more of the same for them. I think Cowboys will get this win. I think Cowboys are in for another good season. Jeremiah Nenei one season under his belt now will be better for the run. Ruben Cotter as well. Let's just skip forward a little bit. we got Sharks and Bunnies after that. Love the Sharkies. Nico Hines. I thought, what a player. I think he'll be better for the run as well. Obviously winning M coming into his second full year as halfback. Of the Cronulla Sharks. I think Cronulla will come pretty close again. The Bunnies, I don't see it this year. We move on to the game that everyone is waiting for. The Dolphins, their first game of NRL and they're coming up against the mighty Sydney Roosters. Sunday arvo game out there at Suncorp Stadium. I don't know if they're licking their lips or if they're scared because I think it, first game in the NRL you've never played In this competition before, you might be a bit nervous. Yes, these players have all played before, but I think they may be a bit nervous coming together, trying to form that team and the cohesion. I think the Chooks will be really excited. Again, as DK said, though, the Chooks are also notoriously slow starters. So could be anyone's game in this one. And we finish off round one of the new season with Tigers and Titans. I'm actually going to take the Tigers in this one. I think that they've recruited really well. Isaiah Papalihi, possibly John Bateman as well. Yes, they've lost Luke Garner and Tulagi and Jacob Little, but they've also got Coruscant out there at Hooker now. It's not a bad looking forward pack. We don't know what's going to happen with their halves, but if Adam Dewey's there. The Titans have also recruited well, but I think Tigers get this one. And that's a bit of your round one a draw that's been named. We just want to go for a bit of that. The next part we have was some viewer questions. Unfortunately, we didn't get any this week. So thank you for sending those in, everybody. And that is all we have time for on the podcast tonight. So thank you so much. I'd like to thank our sponsors, Gibson's Country Style Jerky and Queen Jar for sponsoring the Ruck Infringement Podcast. I'd like to thank my guests tonight, Dave Kowalski, DK, and Blake. Thanks for always being great to me, boys, and supporting the pod. I'd like to thank you, the listener, and remember, stay puffed.